Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Hey guys, welcome to Grape Top Service. I'm so glad that you guys are tuning in to watch. Um, this has been a pretty crazy time. Uh, all of us have been at home, and I think that as for our family, we've been getting kind of crazy in trying to um, still have fun and uh, creative. I've never been so excited for just rides, um, <laughs> just driving around, uh, not even going anywhere, just driving um, down the street and back for no apparent reason, um, getting uh, donuts. That was fun the other day, fun. right? Yeah, definitely. What has been your favorite time since uh, our quarantine? Um, favorite time? Really just having everyone home, though. Um, even though it's crazy and everyone's cooped up, I really enjoy all the fun, loud, um, random <laughs> screams and, um, okay. of everyone collectively. So that's been fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's a good answer. Yeah. Um, I think my funnest time has been like us learning creative ways of having like date nights and family mm -hmm. days. Yeah, that's true. Um, and even our workouts. I mean, this chick has been going hard at working out and, uh, I've never been a big believer in bands mm -hmm. like workout bands but it's resistant bands it, resistant bands mm -hmm. there we go <laughs> but i feel like i've been more sore recently True. um more than ever before to where i don't even feel like i need to go back to the gym yeah it's pretty interesting <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and so uh with all that being said we're gonna get uh into today's message and we're starting a new series and this, this whole month, the series is, They Don't Know What They're Doing. And it's in reference to Jesus when He's on the cross and He let, lets out a loud cry saying, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And it being the month of Easter and the month where we remember the resurrection of Christ, it's also a time that we remember the sacrifice that was made. The whole... Um, foundation of our faith is pivoted around the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if we, the resurrection is so powerful in the fact that it proves that the sacrifice made on the cross was valid. And we have to remember that this powerful component of our faith is forgiveness. And we'll be going all throughout this month. Um, not beating a dead horse in a sense, just talking about you need to forgive, you need to forgive, you need to forgive. We're really going to unpack what forgiveness is within us, outside of us, and, and really try to look at a very deep and practical approach this month. And for today being part one of this series, we're going to be talking about understanding forgiveness for ourselves, asking forgiveness and what it, uh, and what it is to us. And just off uh, getting started, Lauren, what do you think causes someone to want forgiveness? Um, I mean, I think all of us know that we, um, we all have our past. We all have our mistakes, even present mistakes that we, um, whether it is known or unknown to others. And I think um, feeling unforgiven 
um, needing forgiveness, there's this like weight of guilt and shame that I feel mm. like follows us. Um, that when we look at ourselves in the mor- in the morning or in the mirror, <laughs> um, sometimes that's the scariest. But when you look at yourself in the mirror, you you know what lies beneath in a sense. You know what unforgiveness you are searching for and needing, um, or what forgiveness you are searching for and needing at that time. And without forgiveness, I know for me, like you just feel this constant nagging sense mm. of shame and guilt. Wow. Um, and so, um, I think it's so important, you know, to sometimes when we hear forgiveness, we think of like, oh, I need to forgive someone, but there's so much more to it, including, you know, being forgiven. And so I think it's going to be very powerful. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. I like that. And, and for me, forgiveness is something so incredibly simple. I don't even want to say it's simple and complicated at the same time because it's really, really, really simple. And I feel like, in our church world, we make it this super complicated thing when it doesn't need to be. And so I hope that throughout this series that you find forgiveness to be something so tangible, so real, and so valuable in your life, especially with each of our walk with God. And today, uh, we're going we're gonna to look at Luke chapter 23, um, starting in verse 26 and going all the way to 34. And this is this is one chapter uh, one chapter of one book of the Gospels where we see Jesus crucified, and if you look at the different books, um, the different Gospels where we see Jesus actually crucified, I always feel like the scriptures never give the the real emotional justice of what's going on. It's almost like the verse where Jesus is crucified is one a one liner, a one sentence to where and he was crucified. There's more verses talking about. Uh, so so much more things in depth, but Jesus's crucifixion was something so uh, just so stuck, like just so um, grazed over. And so, as we go through this uh, these verses, starting in verse twenty six, it says, "As they led Jesus away, a man named Simon, who was from Cyrene, happened to be coming in from the countryside. The soldiers seized him and put the cross." On him and made him carry it behind Jesus. Now, just to clarify, some people see this and like, so Jesus didn't carry the cross. If, if you imagine the cross being a beam like this and the end is dragging on the floor and Jesus is struggling after being beaten so badly um, to carry the cross, they put him to this man, Simon, to carry the cross, the end of it from the floor so that it was upright instead of being dragged. If you could get that kind of imagery. A large crowd trailed behind, including many grief-stricken women. But Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, Don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves, for your children. For the days are coming when they will say, Fortunate indeed are the women who are childless, and the wombs who have never bore a child, and the breasts have never nursed. People will beg the mountains, fall on us, and plead with the hills, bury us. For if these things are done when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the Skull, they nailed him to the cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. 
and the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. You know, this, this scripture is really compelling, and it's really deep. And when we look at all that's happening in these verses, you really see these, there's like so much depth of emotion at certain parts. And the first thing I want us to look at is the very beginning, because I believe that this part of scripture gives so much um, imagery and prophetic, uh, a prophetic tone to what the crucifixion, what it is, forgiveness, all this stuff. I feel like it's so much imagery here. And so starting off, when we, when dealing with forgiveness, there's an extreme weight that comes when you try to carry Jesus's cross yourself. And don't confuse that with the scriptures where it says, where Jesus tells us to take up your cross daily. Well, that cross is talking about the cross of Christ, which is talking about a freedom of sin. But carrying Jesus's cross for him is carrying the penalty of sin. And we constantly put ourselves in that place of Simon of trying to carry Jesus's cross for him. The cross that he was carrying for us, and we try to go and help carry it. And what this looks like is a choice that we make. Sometimes it's subconscious, but it's a choice that we're making of trying to earn that forgiveness, trying to carry out that forgiveness ourselves. And Jesus is the only one that can carry that cross. Our cross that we're supposed to carry is the freedom of sin, not the penalty of sin. And it, not the payment of sin. And when we do this, it leads to a place of constant conflict in our hearts to where we're always second guessing. We're doubting if we're even really forgiven or not, if we're really Christians, if we're saved. And our crosses always lead us back to the giants of our past. And the reason I share say that part is at the end of this, uh, this, this short passage, it says that he's taken to the skull of Galgatha, uh, to the place of the skull. And some, some people believe, uh, some scholars believe that this is a place where Goliath's head was buried. And it's so interesting to see how things in the Bible come full circle. And you could use so much imagery and so many verses to make connections. Like when in Genesis it says, that God will use, uh, that the man will strike the serpent on the head, with, and the, the, the serpent, the enemy, will strike the man on his feet. But we see that imagery of the cross, and here especially it being over the place called the skull, and it was a place where Jesus defeated death, but at a high price. Just like if a man were to stomp out a, a viper or a poisonous snake, but getting bit in the process, that's the only way to protect his family or whatever. When we see David being the, the, the starting genealogy of the Messiah and it, it really almost beginning his, his uh, you know, it almost like beginning in this David and Goliath moment. And here we see after generations, it circling back to almost where his act of faith started. David's act of faith was when he stood against Goliath, believing that God was going to protect him, believing that God had called him. And now we see generations later that promise, just that imagery still there. 
And when we try to hold on to the cross Jesus is carrying for us, when we try to to lighten the load for him so that we have to take some of the punishment ourselves, some of the the forgiveness, the unforgiveness ourselves, we try to earn it, all that doubt, all those places of your past you're going to go back to. Have you ever asked for forgiveness for something and then years later you feel all this guilt and shame for the same thing again a second time or a third time, a fourth time, even though you already asked for forgiveness? And sometimes there are those big things to where you just can't get it out of your head and you it's almost like you can't believe that God has forgiven you. You know what I'm talking about, Lauren? Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and in these moments, it's in those moments where we get that that weight on our shoulders. Those are the moments that we're taking up Jesus' cross instead of our own cross. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I want us to really get the tone of emotion that Jesus is portraying even as he's going to the cross, going to be crucified. And you see that he already knows uh, the, the part where he's saying daughters of Jerusalem. He's talking about all of, uh, all of the Jews of that time being obliterated by, um, by soldiers in Rome and all that. But there's so much imagery to the weight that's personified in how emotional and how much weight is carried when we do not accept the cross of Christ for our forgiveness. Where we, it's almost like he's saying, like we we'd rather be covered by 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 rocks, by we would rather be buried in the sand, and act like uh, and act like this is uh, we we're in this constant running from God instead of facing Him and accepting this forgiveness uh, from Christ. From Christ, it makes me it, it makes me think of this song by Misty Edwards, um, talking about where it's called "Killing Me with Mercy." And it's just this, uh, she's singing from the perception of Peter. And throughout the song, she's singing, you're killing me with your mercy. I'd rather you just make me pay, but yet you're killing me with your mercy. And when we just cannot, when we refuse to accept this grace of forgiveness, that weight will always just keep us in a circle of doubt, second guessing, unbelief, and we really just this I know I'm taking a lot of time to talk about this weight, and it's because i talk, I see so many Christians that that are carrying that guilt and that weight on their shoulders because they cannot believe the fact that they're really forgiven for the things that they've done, and they go in circles and circles where they get emotional high on Sunday, but then three days later they feel so guilty for not being perfect that they pick up that cross again. And it's just the wrong cross that we're picking up. What do you think about all that, Lauren? Yeah, um, I mean, it makes me think of um, just what you're saying is like the idea of us as Christians or whoever, you know, uh, you trying to carry Jesus' cross for you, what he did for you, you know, it's so hard to really wrap our heads around the fact that he he did pay the penalty for us. Um, And it makes me realize that so many times, you know, we feel this heaviness spiritually, whether it's like guilt, shame, or striving for perfection, or striving to please God, or striving to um, put on a show that we're doing everything right. 
And in those times that we feel so guilty, so ashamed, because at the end of the day, we're not doing everything right. We're, it says that we miss the mark. Like we, we are going to miss the perfect mark. You know, we're not going to be these perfect people and we do need forgiveness every single day of our life. And, and I realize this weight is not just spiritual, mm. but in my opinion, um, I, I feel I've noticed for myself and many other people that we've talked to that it's a very physical weight that you feel. Mm. And it's one that, um, is hard to figure out. So many times I feel like even for myself, I'm just, I feel burnt out. I feel exhausted. I feel weighed down. And what yeah. is this feeling that I don't only, we don't only feel spiritually, but at the end of the day, it physically weighs you down when you, um, try to carry the cross that wasn't for you to be carried. The mm. one that Jesus already carried for you because it's exhausting trying to earn forgiveness that was already um, paid for, if that yeah. makes sense. You know, and I have found myself in that same um, rut, I guess you could say, but I feel like nowadays as Christians, we, um, it, it, it's just the simple gospel of what Jesus did for us. Like it's, it's, it's why we've accepted him. He died for our sins and he paid the penalty and we say, yes, amen, I accept it. He's so awesome. But at the end of the day, do you truly accept it? Because if we did, I think there'd be a new level of freedom that we could walk in. Yeah. And that freedom would be feeling free, not only spiritually, but physically, you know. Yeah. Um, and so I guess what I, from this and, and what you're sharing in this first point, it really makes me see how it, it connects to almost every part of our life. Mm. Um, not just a s spiritual feeling, but a very physical feeling um, when we're carrying the wrong cross. Yeah. And so that's what I think about that. Yeah, that's really powerful. And I, and I really appreciate your transparency too, because I think so many people think that I'm the only one that feels like I'm still not forgiven. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how many times I've brought somebody to Christ or I've seen someone give their lives to Christ and then over and over after a Sunday service or whatever, they, they'll raise their hand to give their life to Christ again because they constantly feel like they weren't good enough that week or um, that the first time wasn't good enough or that they messed up and that that forgiveness is just like escaping them every, every other week. And it's just not true that God's covenant with you is a lot, a, a lot more, has a lot more longevity than I think we realize and and just simply understanding that there there we are supposed to take up a cross daily and that's a cross of of living a righteous life and it's not the cross of paying for our sins that was a cross of Christ mm -hmm. um and so it leads me to this idea that i feel like finding forgiveness is almost like in stages similar to that of the stages of grief mm. and you think that it would be like a way better experience, but it's almost like there's a grief to our hearts when it comes to forgiveness, mm -hmm. a grief to our souls in the midst of incredible joy. And I want to just continue reading in these verses in Luke 23, 35 through 39. Uh, it says, The crowd watched and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself, if he is really God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers mocked him, too, by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, If you are the King of the Jews, then save yourself. 
A sign was fastened above him with these words, This is the king of the Jews. And even though we're seeing with the Roman soldiers and the Pharisees and all these people that were once praising Jesus are now just condemning him, what is interesting about this correlation that I'm making between the scripture and our attitude about forgiveness is that we go through this crazy denial in our hearts about who Christ is to where one moment we're praising him and the next moment we're saying, God, what do you expect of me? And in one moment we can be so grateful and in the next moment we, we think, why haven't you helped me? Mm-hmm. And we, we have the same kind of back and forth as, the, as these people do at the cross. And the, what I think really strikes me the most is the last parts here where it says that they offered him drink of sour wine. What does that make you think of just off the bat? Um, I mean, I just feel like even though it's a story that we hear in the Bible, you know, it's like, oh, how could they? Like one minute they're praising him, the next minute Mm. they're the very ones crucifying him. Um, I think it's something that we can definitely relate to. You know, it might look different in our lives or those around us, but I think... Um, that our human nature is just that right there. And it's easy, um, just like the Bible says, to judge others. Like we have, hey, friend, you have that speck in your eye when we're the ones having this huge log in our own, mm-hmm. in a sense. So it just makes me think that like, hey, before just looking at that, and I remember when I first uh, began reading the Bible and, and reading that like, oh my gosh, like, are y'all crazy? Hello, that's Jesus. Yeah. You know, but at the same day, at the same time, you know, what does our life look like right now? Like, it's so easy to kind of um, feel those same ways and go back yeah. and forth. But at the end of the day, um, I mean, his forgiveness is so like available and he um, is willing to forgive those crucifying him and those who didn't, yeah. you know? And so um, it's a really good perspective. Yeah, and and thinking about how we are so much more like the people that we don't necessarily think are great in the Bible, mm-hmm. uh, it's so it, it's so easy to look as like you idiots. Don't you know he raises from the dead? Like, <laughs> but in the time, it seems like no one knows what's going on. But how many times in our lives have we been like that, to where we're freaking out about something, saying, "God, how am I going to make it through this?" And the next day, everything that we—it's like the problem wasn't a problem anymore. Yeah. In the part here that says that the soldiers mocked him to an offering him drink of sour wine, what I feel like is that signi- uh, signifies in our lives sometimes is our false righteousness. Mm-hmm. The, it's, it's a wine that we're saying, God, I'm doing everything you told me to do, but it is actually in such a sour spirit. Mm-hmm. And it's actually with such reserve and almost like an entitlement thought in our hearts, an entitled spirit to where, well, God, I already have been doing what you wanted me to do, so X, Y, Z. Um, that's our dog, Sam, by the <laughs> way. <laughs> We're at home, if you haven't noticed. Um, but it's that, it's, it's like that sour worship, that sour praise, that sour prayer that we make. I cannot believe he's doing that. <laughs> he's drinking water, for those of you who can hear I just, he like never like moves from his spot. And as soon as we're out here, he's just stay focused (laughs) and just like threw me off. I was like getting into it too. Well, it's right here. Yeah. (laughs) 
He's so thirsty too. Yeah. <laughs> He's like He can go for a while, so yeah. It's like is that a camel or a yeah, dog? Like yeah. who knows? That's the thing. You can't tell the difference. He's cute though. That's good. I'm glad okay. you got enough to drink. Okay. <laughs> you can like hear him licking his lips like mm-hmm. mm, that was good. Yeah. Alright. So where was that? Sour wine? Sour wine. Yeah. Alright, mm-hmm. so it's almost like when when things are not fitting into the way that we expected, um, the way that we see things to be fit, it turns into that sour prayer, that that sour expectation. And we revert back to, well, I did it. I mean, I did what you told me to do. I, I showed up to church when I was supposed to. You know, what else do you want from me? And it just like re-emphasizes that same thing when it says they fastened a sign with the word saying, this is the king of the Jews. And I feel like in my heart, there's been seasons where that's what's fastened over me as a Christian. Jesus is the Lord of my life. And it's just a, a sign over the cross. Just, Jesus is the Lord of my life. There's, it's just a statement. It's not something that moves me anymore. It's not something that changes my heart. It's not something that makes me be affected by the thought of the Son of God dying for me. It's just a sign that states, Jesus is the Lord of my life. And it's so boring, so dead, that you would not believe that there's a resurrected heart inside of me. And that with the sour wine, all of this hypocrisy it really stems from this refusal in our souls to believe and accept the true grace and forgiveness and revelation of the the forgiveness of God, the cross of Christ. And we go through these stages of grief to where we go through the denial, we go through self-justification of why we don't need forgiveness for certain things, of why we don't need to repent for this or, or ask for that. We go through uh, this, that denial. We, we even go through the, a type of denial to where we try to, or a, a shock or a fear where we try to earn that forgiveness ourselves, where we try to, to self-restore, where we try to get our 10 steps into being a better Christian. Look, those things can be helpful but when we're trying to earn our penance, it's wrong. Jesus made the way for us. He is the way. He is the life. And when we focus on the things that we do for God instead of focusing on God himself, it is a two millimeter shift in the wrong direction to where we miss the mark. And it's as simple of, as seeing that forgiveness is from Christ, not from our works. Our works are evidence of something being done inside of our hearts, but it cannot be the pursuit of our hearts. Mm-hmm. And for me, I find that some, t- some points of my life where I worked the hardest in trying to do something for God was almost like there was a motivating factor that I was trying to prove to God that He should love me. That I was trying to earn his love, trying to earn his forgiveness because I had so much self-doubt and insecurity. And all of this is, is leading us to a place away from what this true forgiveness is. And fear, there's this 
undertone of fear that that this forgiveness is not really there that it's not really been paid for and there you have to get to this place where you eventually accept this beautiful amazing hope of the forgiving grace of God being true and it's this is the part the only thing that i would say is complicated about forgiveness is because of how simple it is. Because we can go through seasons where our heart is softened and we believe and we're connected and we, it just feels so, it feels so good. But the moments that our hearts get hard are usually the moments that we have turned a warped view of forgiveness. It could even be a warped view of a greasy grace forgiveness to where, well, well, God will just forgive me and we just do whatever the hell we want. That is a warped view of forgiveness. And every time we warp or pervert our the true value and the true imagery of forgiveness that Jesus showed us, it will lead us down a path that is far from God. What do you think about all that, Lauren? Um, I think as I'm kind of listening to what you're saying and then seeing how that has played out in my life in different ways, I feel like one thing that sticks out to me personally is that um, over time we grow weary. Mm -hmm. And so over time in our relationship with Christ um, and through in, in that journey, there's times where we're on a high, on a low, and there's times where maybe, you know, you feel so low over and over or made that mistake one too many times. You know, you've mm. asked for forgiveness. You feel free. It happens again. I don't know what that looks like for everybody, you know, um, but it, it looks different for everybody. And all I know is I feel like over time, there's only sometimes it feels like there's only so many hits that we can take, whether we it's our own doing to ourselves, mm. um, others to us, circumstances. But I feel like over time, time creates that feeling of feeling weary, if that makes sense. Mm. And I feel like how that relates to forgiveness is it gets harder and harder sometimes to really embrace that forgiveness, to embrace the freedom that comes from the true forgiveness that Christ gives us. And, and that's, um, I feel like, how I have felt before. You know, understanding what God has done for me, knowing how much he loves me no matter what. And, and as I look at it, like as a picture, I see so many times that we feel far from God because we haven't done this, mm. this, this, or this. Or we have done this too many times. We've messed up too much. We haven't read enough. We haven't, you know, the classic stuff. I haven't spent enough time with God. I, and so therefore, I feel far away from him. And therefore, how could I ask for his forgiveness when I'm this far away from him? But I feel like um, as I was thinking about that um, and, and listening to what you're saying, I felt like God like just whispered, though you may feel so far away, I have never moved. Mm. You know, and so so many times we look at our relationship with God um, reflected on where we stand with him instead of where he stands with us. And I feel like he reminded me and is reminding us that he will never leave our side. Yeah. You know, so no matter how far we run or no matter how Holy Ghost Christian we are at that moment, yeah. whether we're like, man, just praying all day, reading all day, or whether we haven't even talk to God in weeks, 
has he moved? The, mm. the answer is no. It's have we moved? Maybe we have. But at the end of the day, you know, we have to remember where did our like relationship with him start? You know, what was that time or that moment or moments that you really accepted in him in your heart that was real and it's not going to be perfect and it's, but it was a, a covenant. It was a commitment that we made to him. And that doesn't mean when we feel like crap or we feel, yeah. you know, uh, distant from him that it's over, you know? So, um, that's, that's my thoughts on that right now. Yeah, that's beautiful, Lauren. And it really just makes me think of a marriage. I always just... I feel like I always reflect on our relationship with God being like a marriage. And even though our marriage is perfect, yes. right? Mm -hmm. There's those moments where other marriages have <laughs> have those moments where they're just not clicking. Mm -hmm. And it's like when you don't click for one week, you know, all right, we'll be honest. There's been times where, yeah, you know. We're not perfect. <laughs> sorry. Uh, <laughs> there's been times where we don't click more than just a day. And it's like we're just not hitting the right signals with each other. And if if we don't just throughout the entire marriage and have to restart our marriage vows from us just as humans that are so faulty, then how much more do we not have to just restart with God over and over and over? That's good. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it leads me to our closing. And it, it's this imagery of just the beautiful moment where you realize what this forgiveness is. This, and it's really just like how Jesus describes it, and it's paradise. And I want to end this story with this uh, right here, where it says in verse 39, One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself, and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God, even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. You know, what's so profound about these ending verses is that this simple exchange from this, this thief on the cross, this criminal on the cross, he, he's always noted about the most, it, it exemplifies Jesus' forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And it even puts so many doctrines and theologies into confusion because there was not much required of this criminal. He was not, it, it doesn't show any reference of him being water baptized and if he was earlier in his life, it didn't show any sign of repentance. He's on the, he's dying on a cross for crimes. It must have been pretty bad crimes mm -hmm. to be crucified, put sentenced to death. These were this was a hardcore crime he committed. And and so in his last moments, his conscience, his heart, has this moment of transparency. Notice that everybody else has a wall up because of the crowd that's going on. That they're all just jumped in in, in, in this mocking of Jesus, this disregard of the possibility of who his identity really is. But this guy, he's at a place where he has nothing else to prove. He's fun, even the thief, the other, this other criminal, 
he's still putting on a show at death. That's really what this other guy was saying. Is like, do you not fear God? Are you really trying to prove yourself on the cross? Like, what are people going to remember you for? Just for this? You think that's going to last? And it's like a moment where he just truly doesn't care anymore about what anyone else thinks. Mm-hmm. And it's a moment where he is transparent and vulnerable with himself. And it's finally a moment where he's able to be vulnerable and transparent with God right there. And it's, he's, he has this meeting moment with him and God. It's not in a moment that he would have probably preferred, just like a lot of us aren't always expecting the kind of moment or the kind of meeting we have with God when we finally have that find God moment. Sometimes it is in the worst scenarios. Sometimes it's the most unexpected scenarios. But having this meeting moment with God is a point where you could be like one of the criminals to where you just blow it off as something ordinary or you just finally allow yourself to be transparent and vulnerable and say, God, I really know deep down that it is you who is speaking to me. I know that it's you right here. I know that I've been running my entire life from this moment. But I know that you're here. And I've even felt that pull for a while. And I don't want to ignore it anymore. And in this moment, he meets God. He has this realization. He has a confession of faith. You notice that he says, we deserve to die, but Jesus did not. He says that. That's a confession of faith. In Romans, it says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. And it said, he confesses, I know that I am a sinner and that I deserve hell. And I know that Jesus did not deserve to die on the cross because he was sinless and perfect because he was the son of God. You know, th- this is so... This is where it gets so simple, guys. It's a realization of us deserving hell, but Jesus paying the price for us. And look how simple the exchange is. He just simply authentically, wholeheartedly says, Jesus, will you just remember me when you go to heaven and remember that I had a changed heart in the last moments of my life. That, that request was not a big one. He didn't say, Jesus, for, he didn't even say, forgive me. Because there was so much humility in this authentic exchange that he didn't even felt, feel like he deserved to ask God for that forgiveness. But he's just saying, God, just remember me that my heart did change. And I love that Jesus' response was so much better than he expected. He said, not only do I remember you, do I see you, but today you will be with me in paradise. You're going to be the first person that I welcome into heaven that's been forgiven by my blood. You're, I mean, does that not just move you? And I find that often when we come to God, no matter how much junk we're bringing with us, when we come with that humble, authentic heart, He always answers us better than expected. Every single time. 
Those moments where you say, God, I'm so undeserving. And you just hear that still voice in your heart saying, no, my child, I made you deserving. God, I don't, I don't know what to do. You probably just want to slam dunk me to hell. He says, no, I want to raise you up to heaven. That's why I came to get you. He always responds better than we expected. And if you're listening to this, and this is a moment for you to have that kind of exchange, you need to know that there's a verse in Psalms where the Bible says that God casts your sins as far as the east is from the, re- the, the, east is from the west. There's other verses where it says He chooses not to remember our sins. Another verse says that He obliterates our sins. He obliterates our past. And that word obliterate means to break into millions of pieces. And you need to stop dwelling on the giants of your past. Stop going revisiting the same mistakes over and over because God is done you bring them to him because he's already forgiven them you need to have just this moment of genuine faith accept and receive that forgiveness and if it's for your very first time have that conversation with him i really compel you to start today walking in this new relationship with jesus christ Because his love for you is so great. In Romans, it doesn't say that the fear of God draws us to repentance. It says that the kindness of God brings us to repentance. Isn't that the most overwhelming thought? Maybe you've been taught your entire life that God is just waiting to kill you, to strike you with lightning. And the Bible says that he's just been waiting to love on you. That he made, John 3.16 says he, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that the world would not perish but have eternal life in him. And so if that's you, I want you to just pray today, right now, and just have a conversation with him. God, I thank you for this time that we had together. And I pray that you guide each person in their own prayers, that they don't even have to repeat after me, but that you and your Holy Spirit would cause your presence to fall upon them as they listen to this, as they, as they um, have this time in your presence and your spirit, and that you'd guide them through their prayer, and that you make it real for them, simple for them. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm so uh, glad that you guys were a part of today's message. Lauren, those, those closing notes, what do you have to say for the, the end of our, our topic today? Um, I mean, it was really powerful. Even I teared up a little bit, but, you know, just held it in. Kept it under yeah. wraps. <laughs> um, but it, it just, as you were saying that, what, um, you know, I was thinking about was the fact that um, the heart of God, that when he looks at us, that he doesn't see what we think he sees first off. Like we think as soon as he sees us, you know, mm. he sees the junk. He sees yeah all that junk that we um, so often see right away. But I felt like he was reminding me, like, he doesn't. Like, he sees us as the child that he created. And and now being a parent, when our kids can be crazy, right, (laughs) to say the least. But when I look at our little girl's face, see, I could cry right now. They drive us crazy sometimes. But looking at their (laughs) face, I could cry because they're so precious and they're so 
perfect and they're so beautiful and they're such a gift from God that that I don't see all that crazy stuff. You know, in the moment, yes, do they need a moment? They need a moment. <laughs> but when I look, especially when I put them to sleep, you know, I look at them, I'm like, you are just so perfect. I miss you, you know? Yeah. And so my point is with that is no matter the junk, when God sees us, he is a father. And, and I feel like we just need to be reminded that besides being, um, of course, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, such, yeah. you know, the amazing God of the universe, he is a father he is the perfect father yeah. and he loves us unconditionally and he sees us as his perfect uh child that could do no wrong you know and and he took that for us and so um i just i thought that was beautiful yeah thanks for sharing that i really i really love um the way that you draw this uh these relationships of real life and connect them to the heart of god um it's beautiful and so with that being said, um, I'm so glad that you guys were part of today's message. Um, this whole series is going to be uh, so powerful and edifying in our hearts and our spirits and in your life. And I really want to challenge you that when we go through this series, all of us are in quarantine. All of us are in this forced place of solitude. So Let's really take some time to take these moments seriously. Even after today's message, why don't you just have some time of worship? Have a moment where you put on YouTube, just search, like I've said before, just search worship songs and just find something. And I've been really getting into the new Elevation songs, mm -hmm. like Gra Graves in the Gardens. Mm -hmm. I've been like, Graves in the Gardens, that's yeah, me. That's good. Mm -hmm. and <laughs> Uh, and Waymaker, uh, it, it, there's so many, there's so many great songs um, that that are edifying to our hearts and our spirits when we worship. Mm -hmm. I want you to even today take some time to have some worship, even right now, just take some time to have some worship. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.